You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Oh, we're live. I thought we weren't quite live, so that's why I didn't announce it. Anyway, this is Jim McCann. You're listening to Primal Radio, and I am with... Tom McGrath and Yolanda, guys, how are you doing after our week off Thanksgiving celebration? Fantastic. I'm great. I'm great. You're great. That's it. Yeah, I, I want to wish you guys um, happy Thanksgiving. There's been a few complaints over this side of the pond that the show was cancelled. Oh, really? Last week. Yeah. It was I, delayed. It was delayed. Yes. Well, well I'm what, glad we were missing. No, here's what happened. So, why, why we had to cancel? I'm sorry to interrupt. Why we actually? Well, it was Thanksgiving, but it was the week that I was moving everything into the new gym, and the challenge was is I had so many things going on at one time, and plus Thanksgiving, it just wasn't reasonable. As it turns out, Thanksgiving, I worked 12 hours that day, didn't celebrate, did nothing. Goes hit the gym. Doing whatever it is I do to get the thing ready because there's a you know a thousand and one things that are left, you know, from picking up trash bags to cleaning the toilets to whatever it might be to kind of make it showroom ready because uh, we had our unofficial kind of grand opening on Monday and it was a packed house. The place looks spectacular. There's some photos on it on Facebook. I put a little video on it last night that we uh, popped up on Instagram and and whatnot and. But anyway, the place came out uh, fantastic. A lot of good buzz about it, uh, word around town and stuff. It's 10,000 square feet. It is gigantic. And it has everything you can imagine from a ring to the mats to weights to monkey bars. And it's got the the whole kit and caboodle. So I'm pretty happy with the the whole thing. And uh, hopefully, Tom, you come over here in December or whenever. Obviously, you'll be hanging out there a lot. (laughs) But it's packed. I don't know how on any planet that I was able to get all that stuff into the old place. The old place was around 3,000 square feet, and this is 10,000 square feet, and we seem to occupy all 10,000 square feet. So I don't know how. It's like when you move from one place to another and you go, how did I ever squeeze all this stuff in here? I I have no idea. But anyway. um, I I was going to ask you whether you kind of – you know, when you move to a venue like that, do yeah. you try and minimize your upfront costs a bit, and then you kind of you, you oh, yeah. put more stuff in over over like the the, the first year or two? Absolutely. So here's right. So when you start a business, right, whatever it is, and we were an existing business for you know three years at the other location, and so the nice attraction of the new location was pretty much ready to go. I didn't have to do any build out, meaning that there was no construction whatsoever. Other than painting and stuff like that, that was pretty much what it consisted of. We had to get some new pieces of equipment. We bought another 1,400 square foot of mat, uh, bought some weights and other mats, and little things. But all those little things add up. It becomes all of a sudden, wow, I got to pay That's, for that. Flooring's real expensive, right? It is. I did not have to play for, pay for flooring. I did have existing flooring in that. And the, uh, the, the, the deal with the landlord was that he would put some other flooring in for me which was you know tiles and whatnot to, to kind of yeah. make it a little bit nicer so my expenses were actually relatively uh not that bad when i first moved into my first location it was doctor's offices and everything had to be ripped apart i believe i spent you know 40 grand 
just yeah. to get it ready to go. And so it's, you know, it's not that people go, just open up a gym. Well, it's not that easy. You got to find that location. Is the rent right? Is the location right? Um, you know, so many things come to play. And, uh, and it becomes very, very expensive, very, very fast. And you realize everything from just buying pencils. I went to, uh, we have these price clubs here called Sam's Clubs or oh, Costco's, right? Do you have anything yeah, like that? Yeah, we have to say, we have Costco. Okay. So I had to go to Sam's Club, which is just like a Costco. And um, I had to go in there and, you know, buy hand sanitizer and paper. It's like the Ikea, except the mass Ikea of right. everything. Of yeah. everything. They got yeah. everything in there. And but bleach and stuff. Right. You know, bleach. I had to buy three gallons of bleach, but it was like for $4, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It, all that. So I spent like four hundred dollars in two days on stuff, just getting stuff I needed to get ready. And, uh, and then you, for example, I was in Walmart. These are Walmart in the UK. There must be right. We do. It's called ASDA over here, I think. But yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, uh, they they bought ASDA and it still oh, retains the name. Oh. But it's got all the branding. It looks like a Walmart. Okay, so it's got it's every, like everything in there, right? So I went into Walmart the other day, walking around Walmart. I had to buy some Tupperware things to put in, uh, whatever gloves and stuff. And I walk around the corner, and there was a King Kong action figure. <laughs> you know, giant action figure, like a foot tall. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a little army man from the latest Kong movie that was out there. And then, you know, it called to me. I said, you know, I have to own this Kong. And I, and yeah, it, of course. Of course. It, it fits. I mean, it was like when I walked around the corner, it was like, oh. Cherubs came by. Uh, the the heavens opened up, and there was Kong. And then I I take Kong. It was twenty nine ninety five, huge expensive price. I bring Kong back to uh, back to Primal Gym. And by the way, all these things are made in I guess China or something like that. I don't know what they pay these people up there. Just fucking with us. How they tie these little toys together with every little nut and screw in. It took about 40 minutes to get the damn thing out of the package, right? And I'm like, right, it was, it's impossible. I almost, I almost smashed Kong on the concrete. Did you have to assemble anything? Did I, no, I think. Oh, I was just getting it out. Thank God I didn't have to assemble anything. So what I, (laughs) that was my computer making that noise. Yeah, that was me. So, um, but anyway, so then I got Kong out of the box and I figured there'd be a button in it or something like that. Kong would growl or something. Uh, He does nothing. It just sits there for thirty dollars. He just sits there. But it looks how big cool. is it? It's about a what foot, two yeah, feet. I'd yeah, I'd say yeah, it's a foot and a half. All right. It's, yeah, it's, so it's, it, it's, it it does a lot of cool shit in his mind. See, I was picturing something like um, you know, Gotland School up in Leicester. So yeah. he, he when that Kung Fu Panda film came out, you know, he's a big guy, um, yeah. and and he was drawn to that. So so when the cinema when they finished with the film, he bought up the big. Kung Fu Panda statue oh, that's cool, and yeah. his gym, but yeah. it's kind of it's human size. Whereas right. I think your little um, King Kong in your gigantic gym is going to look a bit weird. <laughs> I think True. it's just I think it's just temporary. It's just holding court. Well, you know? look, it's it's not the size of it's your. It's fucking wonderful. It's impressive. I I you know I said you. you know screw screw the rest of this place. I just need to stare at this. This giant monkey, this giant gorilla, <laughs> it's calling to me. I can't train that's, possibly. I mean, right. it's, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, its power it's, is, is in the mind. It is. It's it not is. the size of the boat. It's the motion in the ocean. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't move. I had a thought about this, right? I was yeah. kind of thinking during the week, and I posted it on one of your photos, and I was thinking, your gym. Yeah. There literally cannot be many 
gyms of a martial arts gym of that size many of them in the whole world a 10,000 square foot so you're, you're, you're really now the proprietor um if yeah. that's the right word of one of the best martial arts facilities on earth which i think is something alana give him a pat on the back for me yes i certainly <laughs> shall yes i have to say i was just thinking you know what tom that's brilliant i need to look into that i need to research that and i need to position that immediately yeah it is look I, right yeah, most mo- you know gyms range from um like i started in a in a thank you yeah. In a park, and then been in a basement, and then above a firehouse, and in oh, yeah. renting space at different facilities and gyms, and baseball academies and whatnot, and all different sizes. And and I've traveled all over. Most places might be maybe a thousand square feet, you know, a bigger yeah. or bigger one, which is what uh, the original Primal was, was probably th- was three thousand, which is a decent size. You'll see some more gyms, maybe five thousand square feet, where they rent a big warehouse. Yeah. In, in, in a an industrial park, and um, we were just very fortunate to find this location, and and the landlord's a fantastic guy, and and it worked out perfect for us. So yeah, it is a gigantic. I mean, last night we had maybe, good lord, fifty kids in there doing from all ages, from seven years old up to you know you know forties or something like boxing. We had our world champion in there. We had other gyms come in and work out for for sparring for our boxers. As that's going on, I got guys on the mat doing ground and pound and, and then there's a the whole weight room's filled with the people. You have to be there and experience it. It's like yeah. wow, it is just so cool. All these things going on at once. The other night we have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu going on. We got like twenty people in BJJ class and I I'm on the other side with another twenty people doing hand to hand combatives, you know, and there's guys in the ring sparring. Where the hell are you gonna see this? You know? It's really pretty cool. It's impressive. And so, so do, do you feel you've had you've taken the time to sort of, I guess, appreciate that? I did. It, it's That's quite like, like I've made. It. I asked him that. I asked him that yesterday, and he said there was no time for it. So go ahead, Jim. But, go ahead. But what's your answer? Yes, I had. Here's what happened. Mm. I'm going to try to figure out where I was exactly when this happened. Just a minute. He said there was no time. No, but no, it was uh, it was an accident. Okay. I didn't didn't mean to sit and, and admire myself. <laughs> but I walked past the mirror, and I, our eyes caught each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately fell in love with myself. Now, um, so what happened was, dude, I, it was kind of interesting. I was walking. Was I in the gym? I might have been just gotten out of the shower. I might have been naked. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, it always comes back. Okay. It always comes back to being naked out of the shower. And then, so all of a sudden, there was a moment, a fleeting moment, where I said, "Shit, I pulled this off," you know. Uh, and that was about it. And then I moved on. So I think you might have asked me that prior to that, but it was a oh, right. yeah. A fleeting second, because part of my conversation earlier uh, that day with Alana was, look, I just, I got to keep going. Uh, Right now, I don't want this whole show to be about me, but there's nonstop from 4 a.m. I've even thought about, like, starting to get up at 3 to get to the gym because I just have that much to do. I have this, the promotion company, that promotion's going great. We already have a couple sponsors on hand. The fight's all set. We're getting assigned a couple of the really great amateur fighters to the card. So this show is going to be fantastic. Um, was just having a conversation with Gene here, another gentleman who's going to be having a show here, uh, is a professional a professional wrestler and is involved in the independent circuit. And there's, just through Gene and I haven't talked to the other gentleman, but it was an interesting idea about perhaps doing a professional wrestling show at the gym. Um, we're going to, you know, we've, so, so there's a lot of possibilities now that I'm in that venue. I, but the, the challenge for me is I have to, matter of fact, I do it all. I was at the gym at 
4 o'clock this morning. I cleaned for an hour and a half. Now, the thought is, why didn't you hire somebody? Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, we've discussed this many times. It, why not? Why not? But it's because, really right now because every penny matters. So if it means I have to get up at 3 to clean, that's what it means. You know, for now. It's not being cheap. I am by no means cheap. Matter of fact, I just bought 40 foot of uh, cage wall. 40 feet. So that that's huge, right? I, and so it's going to run along the side of the mat. Now, that's going to take about four to six weeks to get here. Well, that was around, you know, $3,500. For f- but being devil's advocate, right? So, yeah. so you could either, you could get the students to teach it. You know, BJJ students, they'll just go and clean it because it's like it's all about respect and all that kind of thing. They'll clean the mats. Yeah. And or you could, you know, that time that you're spending cleaning, you could be signing up, you know, another 50 members. Not at four in the morning. Would... Yeah, but he's also not talking about just cleaning mats. <laughs> I mean, just cleaning mats, that's glamorous. He's talking about cleaning the entire facility. Cleaning And what? I think that the philosophies of respect only go so far. <laughs> yeah, for you know, I mean, like, yo, yeah, and there's also the sense of, you know, the glamour of the respect. And, you know, yeah. I, I, although maybe you should have some, like, showings of Karate Kid or right. something, but, but you know, except the toilets are not going to be given away. That's right. Um, but really, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like water or answering services. The interesting like that. thing is we d- dive in a lot of different worlds from close quarter combatives to Brazilian jiu-jitsu to boxing. When I grew up doing the martial arts, the soon as class was over, the first thing you did is go grab the broom or the mop to do the floors out of respect and dignity. That world does not exist at my gym. Um, yeah. uh, and maybe that's a reflection upon me. Uh, maybe I didn't push enough. And I, no, it doesn't I, exist anywhere. It doesn't it, exist right. in classrooms. Uh, it, at least at my experience. Now, it might be different at LAX or LOX or, or quacks or something like that. But People it, do put in a bit of effort at our place like with, with that. I mean, like LAC writes on the mirrors. He'll, he'll write notes on the mirrors. He asks people to clean those up. Um, the guys that are in the gym before us, they always sweat all over the floor. So we get our guys clean that up. You know, yeah, they, they, little stuff like that. Well, how long? But how long have has he been in that location? How long? Is ten, he... ten years from day one. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So, so, but he's established that. We're talking about like even though even though this is an existing facility, we're talking about a new facility also at the same time and building up that base. And yeah. in yeah, a certain sure. way, this is starting. Even though. Jim, you, you have it. You you have how many decades of experience and how many um, years working and you know just really, you know, on you know the the I don't know a, a resume that I don't think many people could rival in the wow. world, but at the same time it's brand new. Right. So it's like it's like you having to check that ego and then having to build that that kind of gestalt, that ethos that I think that like probably didn't have day one. Sure. Even so, even though it's not day one, even though you know, so for us it's 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 strange, it's a disconnect, but it's it's kind of a legacy that that has to be built. Right. It's a different world. Yeah, too. you have another, you know, just, yeah, just some more stuff for you to do. That's right. It doesn't matter. But anyway, en- enough about Primal Jim. It's going good. All that stuff's fantastic. Thank you so much, Tom, for asking. <laughs> but so last week we were off Oscars because of the holiday, and we'll be back. And next week we have the head of Primal Europe. Dieter Casey. Now, you did secure that, right? He's a tough man that, to get that, a hold of. That's correct. I've had to pay a big fee, which I'm assuming you'll reimburse me for. Yes, Ken. I, as soon as I get your uh, expense report, I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll send it. So, good. And Dieter, uh, uh, he's a phenomenal martial artist. I've 
known Dieter, I think, since 2008, um, <clears throat> when I first went over to Belgium, around there, 2006, something like that. And he actually attended a seminar. Another gentleman had brought me in. And I took a liking to Dieter. Uh, he was enthusiastic. He worked really hard. <clears throat> Still a relative beginner, at least at this stuff we were doing. But I saw that, hey, this kid really had some drive and, and wanted to uh, go somewhere. So anyway, he's a fantastic, a real good friend. He's the head of Primal Europe. His gym is in uh, Nineveh, Belgium. That's how you say it, right? Nineveh? That's right, yeah. Nineveh, Belgium. It's what, about 20 minutes outside of Brussels, I guess? By That's right, train. Yeah. And um, it's a nice little little place. And um, but anyway, I, we, oh, speaking of Nineveh, the dates are, are officially secured. I'm assuming the 17th, 18th of March. That's right. For uh, our fall, our 2018 camp there, you can get that information on a, our Primal Gym Facebook page, my Facebook page, on my website, PrimalGymNJ.com. I'm sure on Dieter's it'll be there too. And then the following week. <clears throat> Excuse me, for some reason, I'm coughing. Uh, we have the great Hawk Hockheim. And Hawk has just been around forever. Real good friend. He was on the show a couple years ago. And I had uh, another co-host at the time. <laughs> so, Tom, you went around. Before, before Tom. Uh, yeah, what did the last one there die was off? No, there was never pre-Tom. <laughs> there was two, two hosts ago. <laughs> I'm going through hosts. How long can you last, Tom? <laughs> we'll see we'll see, we'll see. It's, it's we might hot. band against you we right. don't know <laughs> <laughs> and, oh i might be it's like a mutiny to be uh the alana and tom show <laughs> yeah, yeah good luck with that one <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well i think that psc and g is calling maybe you have another drama nope. that you need to unfold for nope. us today on that front and tom and i can hold the fort with martial right. arts and the, the, the well, future there right so let's go so, the, so let's go so so here's so, so what happened a couple, a couple <laughs> weeks ago um a, U, a u.s representative of uh, mark wayne mullen who apparently is three and oh in mma uh was in uh we called out um, the UFC for their flawed ranking systems. And this happened after the Bisbing GSP fight. And the reason he, he had done this is because it, it appears that random guys get shots at the title. You know, a guy who GSP, as phenomenal of a fighter as he was, he had not fought in four years, uh, was no longer ranked. And so he fought for the title against Michael Bisbing, who... Look, he proved he's the top of the food chain and beat Michael Bisbing handedly. Uh, very impressive. But this was an interesting take on um, what was said. So well, I'm going to play that clip for us right now, and then we'll kind of go over it. So I'm hoping that this works. We have the, the system set up. So well, I'm going to play this first now. We're going to listen to it, and then we'll kind of discuss it. Okay, so this is U.S. Representative Mark Wayne Mullen. If the UFC is considered a professional sport, then it should be on merit-based ranking system how did dan henderson which i like dan don't this is no knock on him and was he in the, la, in the last time in the top 10 he got a fight biz being for the title shot the nine eight seven six five four three two and one all refuse when dan henderson fought michael bisping it was a natural rematch from a fight maybe four or but five then it wasn't a title shot but yet it was for a title shot so then, then that means the world championship belt that the UFC has isn't really a world championship belt. It, it's simply an award they bestow on the best fighter that night. That's insulting to every professional athlete. How did GSP get a fight for the title? He was a uh, former champion, former pound for pound, the best fighter uh, in the world. 
according to our. Uh, so it's our still he still didn't fight for a title. He fought for a best for an award bestowed upon the best fighter that night. Because you're a proponent for the Ali Act when it was coming out in boxing, you was a strong proponent for it. You're right, because you saw the need for the boxers Absolutely. for the fighters. And a lot of it was the manipulation that was going on in unboxing. Is that correct? Yes, 20 years ago, I... I and you don't see any similarities right now on the manipulation, the way they do it? No, I don't. There is no backstop for MMA fighters. It's take it or leave it. And that's why I say the UFC has become the Don King of MMA. When you were saying that MMA fighters are treated the same way as boxers, what I'm trying to draw here is they're not even close. You make a broad statement like that, you're misleading Congress... Not at all. And you're misleading the American people. Okay, so there you have it. Representative Mark Wayne Mullen. Tom, that you listened to that prior to this, correct? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you shared it with me a couple of weeks ago, right. and I li- listened to it just before the, the show as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the guy's got credibilities. He had a 3-0 and right. MMA record himself. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wayne M- uh, Mullen, I think is his name. Yes. Um. I, I, I agree, totally agree with everything that's been said. So, so a number of years ago when I wasn't interested in UFC, my friends would come up to me and, and, and say, like, you know, the UFC, one of the great things about the UFC is the best fight the best. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the, where because there's the next round of UFC, there has to be a round of fights. You have to defend your title. That It was therefore a kind of superior form of fighting in some ways than boxing right. where – the fights that people want to see, i.e. Pacquiao Mayweather, might not happen until they're both well outside their primes. So um, that, that's what I was expecting when I started watching UFC. However, that doesn't appear to be the case. Um, and, and I think he, he highlights that very well. Oh, he did. It, it's true. And, I, you know, we all sort of knew it. I guess didn't didn't pay attention to it a whole much. But a lot of guys just get these random shots, whether it be – Look, BJ Penn coming back and some other guys um, randomly. And I get, but see, so the best don't necessarily, can you, should you call it a title fight? Should he have been allowed to fight for a title fight? Um, You know, can you give a guy who's not ranked a title shot? Do you think that's fair? Like, do they, does the UFC, do you think the UFC should have to offer number one, number two, all the way down to number 10? prior to maybe offering number 11 the title shot where do you draw that line I, I what what you would think it should be is that it's mandatory that you have to defend your belt and that that fight should be against the you know either the next one in line i.e the one with the highest ranking or or they, they've won some sort of fight or maybe there is some sort of element of selection to it i don't know where you kind of say look the 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 champion does get to choose their their opponent to to some extent. Sure, I mean, there's a lot. Also, look, did I just did the number did the the champion beat the number one ranked guy? Number two and three aren't available because of injuries, right? Number four might be fighting somewhere else. So then you have do you have to go through that, or can you say, let's offer it to so and so, or quite honestly, maybe uh, the contender turns it down for a variety of reasons. <clears throat> but also, as a promoter, is it's about butts and seats. So. Obviously, uh, who's even number two before GSP one? Who was the number two ranked guy under Bisbing? Do you have any idea? Um, I do not. No, I'm sorry, okay. I don't. Yeah, well, I'd have who, to look that up. Right. So whoever it is, I can do that for us. Right. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, number two, I am sure, without a doubt, was not as interesting as GSP coming back. That GSP sold a shitload more tickets 
than if it was whoever, you know? Either. Yeah, def- definitely. And it'd be, it'd be interesting to know the sort of finer workings of how, how that fight sort of came, came to fruition. You know, it was, was Bisping offered that fight and he said, and he thought to himself, well, it will probably be the biggest money earner which oh, is obviously yeah. going to be important to him. No doubt. And, and that maybe he felt with, have, with GSP having been out of the game for a while and a bit smaller than him, that, that he'd, he'd probably win the fight and, and, and earn a lot of respect through doing so. Sure. I mean, you, you just made the point about, you know, he, he, he won fair and square and all no that doubt. kind of thing. And y- yes, he did. In the octagon, he, he won that fight. However, I think the point is that there should have been maybe two or three fights beforehand that may have, taken their toll on gsp before that fight right. happened right. and that he should have proved himself again to be back no, where he no, was I get it. there's us did you find it yeah it's um the the it would be uh, robert whitaker yoel romero luke rockhold these are the these are the um current best mma middleweights if you want to go with ufc rankings then you can have no, the just middleweights go with UFC, as, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whitaker, Bisping is number two. Then you got Romero, you got Luke Rockhold, you got um, Souza, Chris Weidman, Derek Weidman. Brunson. Yeah. A- Anderson Silva's eight. Wow. See, and he, yeah. So, just, I mean, just a little, you know, Right. And, and when do you cut it off? Who knows? It's 14. always been, right? Rankings have always been, hence the law in boxing 20 years ago, is when Don King was more of the, the man for promoting stuff. Certain guys never got shots, no matter how good they were. You know, yeah. and they were could have yeah. been, you know, just couldn't get it because you weren't you weren't in Don King's pocket. So you didn't get that shot. Hence is why that law came out to try to even the, the yeah. playing field, because if you were an independent guy and you could be super talented, you just never got that shot. It's so a- we've got we've got the same thing in the UK now. And there's a guy called Eddie Hearn. Would you be familiar with Eddie Hearn? Uh, I would not. So 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 he he's like the main uh, he's our he's our Don King right now. And he 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 calls the shots for all, for all those um, major fights in the UK. He represents most of the big fighters. Um, yeah. And when he goes into the ring after the fights and sort of you know says what's going to happen next, all the fans yeah. boo him because it, you know That's he, funny. he's he's probably a bit of a cancer on the sport. Yeah. To be honest. Now is he get, are the fighters getting paid real well as a result of him being involved in the sport? That, you know, they they box, boxers have always made loads of money, and that that goes back a hundred years. Um, I just don't like the thought of middlemen like him making loads of money as well. Um, so yeah, they they are making. You know, the fighters he represents are making a lot of money, but yeah. he, he's definitely picking and choosing the fights, sure. and and he's doing. You know exactly what you talked of, of like you know, or, or the UFC issue there where where the the ones that will pull the most fans are the ones that are going ahead oh no um, Be- belly hay was a classic example it was a great fight recently but hay's well past his best he he he, he got injured and he, he kind of fought on injured but it, the likelihood of him getting injured was very high and tony belly not a great boxer and not 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 in amazing shape you you'll know belly from the the creed film actually yeah, yeah. He, he was like the uh the opponent yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely you know, it's interesting. If you go back with Don King and his big fight, what kind of put him over the top was the um, uh, Ali Foreman fight. Now, he had been a promoter and been kind of in the circles of stuff, but he had promised these guys an unbelievable amount. Of, I think it was like at the top, $1 million or whatever. The, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I'd have yeah. to ask Andy Watts. He'll, he would probably be able to pull that out of his ass. And, and tell me, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot up in there. And uh, yeah. so, uh, 
So and then so he promised Foreman this much money, Ali this much money, and and Zaire, the king of Zaire, you know, promoted the the whole fight. Zaire, the king paid for the whole thing. They took a stadium, which was like above a graveyard. I mean, it was all kinds of craziness. Had no idea how he was going to pay anybody. But what that did, though, quite honestly, because prior to that, fighters were still subject to the man, whoever that man was, and they yeah. weren't paid always so well, depending on who they were. This turned the dynamics down, put the power more into the fighters. So the yeah. fighters could pick and choose who they fought, and they could pick and choose their payday, so to speak, with the proper promotion. But the, then what happened was it got to be where it was an issue that you weren't fighting anybody credible. You could have 10 fights in a row and fight everybody who was a piece of junk and make ridiculous amounts of money. Hence is why that law came out. So maybe the UFC's... You know, going to head that way. The challenge with the UFC is they're like the NFL or the NHL or the NBA. They're the sport. There's no one else at that level that controls a sport. So if you are no longer fighting for the UFC, you will not be making a living as a fighter. I I don't see it. This is, I'm sorry to break in. Actually, I'm not very sorry. So um, Mm -hmm. I I just, uh, I want to make a few points just thinking about this because what you're talking about here really ultimately is not about one fight or it's obviously. It's about the fight for legitimacy, right? Right. It's like the, the, yeah. the, and this is something that brings back full circle from the first show, the question of MMA and, oh, is MMA as popular in the UK? Remember, we talked about that, and then we're talking about yeah. boxing, and we talked about pay-per-view views and all of that. And, I mean, the, the truth is that any kind of official federation for boxing in the, well, the UK has precedent on that. That's, that's 19th century. But in, you know, kind of a worldwide capacity, that was 1921. Um, a lot of the official boxing, and I keep going back to boxing because it's kind of like um, a version of, I think, what we're going to see with MMA as it develops, kind of, you know, this this kind of like past is prologue kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. where you have this struggle to be recognized as a legitimate sport. You get a lot of um, argument against it from moral grounds, or is it fake, or, you know, you know diff- lots of different, lots of different objections or classifications, um, and then I think that... Uh, aside from all of those, those questions of establishing and defining what it is as a sport, is how do you keep true to that sport once you define it? How do you keep that identity without losing your soul? But at the same time, losing soul being, you know, like, oh, it's just purely commercial and means nothing, and now it's not even a sport. It's eviscerated. But then it's also not just that. It's always about the money, though. No, actually, it it's a little bit more complex than that. <laughs> it's yeah? always about the money. No, we, and, we would you know, like okay, to... just, just shut up for a minute. All right, all right. All right, thank you. So, um, no, actually, it's a little bit more complex than that, the dynamics of capitalism. But we'll get into that in a second yes. if you want to be wrong. But, um, but anyway, what I was going to say is that um, <laughs> what I was going to say is that money complicates things because, you know, first you've, you've got the celebrity culture thing about fighting. You were talking about that footballer who, you know, I mean, if boxing right. was really hurting, if boxing was really, really hurting, really, really hurting the sweet science, they would be getting that guy in the ring, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. well, you know, s- as fast as they could for sensationalism. But I think there's a difference between sensationalism, celebrity culture, and um, just purely money-driven um, kind of dynamics. Because then who's behind the money? The man. Um, okay, and so so that that, that that's the that's man. not helpful. It's so not. so now let's continue here for a second, though. I want I'm actually going towards something else, and okay. the question is rankings, right? Even within boxing, there's no continuity in rankings. Okay, no. what Ring Magazine in 1921? Also, you know, sure it's been riddled with scandals. I actually, uh, for my own edification, um, independently about three or four weeks ago, because yeah. I'm 
just ridiculous. I was looking at the history of ring rankings and comparing them to at present, comparing them against other sources online, yeah. including like CNN, things like that, and they don't jive. And in fact, sometimes major news sources like you know, I'm not even going to name the major you know sports news sources are going to be pulling rankings from six months ago and representing them to the mainstream My now. Exactly. Yeah, you know, so, so so there's there's several. What I'm trying to say is that there are like several variables that are going to kind of make it really cloudy. Just the question of rankings, period. And I'm saying this in boxing because it is established. So there aren't as many kind of um, fungible areas. There aren't as many murky areas to talk about and argue about and get lost in the weeds. I'm I'm coming back to something a little bit a little bit yeah, more well, stable. The rankings have always you know yeah. subject to the, who, the sanctioning. Yes, and at the same like. time, yeah, yeah, that's great. But then you can't have an argument about the questions of the rankings and and um, being untrue to a sport or it being corrupted or it having a poll. If you're also going to draw on those very rankings, yeah, well, uh, it's, it's corrupt a circular from, argument from top to bottom. But if that's just yeah, that's I what, how it is. It is. It is corrupt from top to bottom. I'm at the, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, and I know how corrupt it is. <laughs> but anyway, so hey, Tom, the, the next thing, and what we want to talk about, I sent you some notes on some things, and it, this came across my. You're wrong. Thank you. I know. I know. Um, is um, martial art politics. And I, that was interesting because something recently happened and with uh, someone I know and stuff. But there's a ton of politics in martial arts on every single level. We know that's in the JKD world, the BJJ world, and, and whatnot. Uh, some of the things that come to, to play a lot is like I, I don't think it happens as much in traditional. But you know, you train. We have fighters that train at multiple gyms. They'll go to and you do. You train right. You train at a boxing. Do you still train at the boxing gym as well or no? Um. No, I've, I've, so I've, I've rejoined. I've, I've joined a gym today, actually. Uh, the the um, what's it called? The F- London Fight Factory, and it's it's mainly Brazilian Jiu Jitsu down there. But the main thing is, it's at the bottom of my road. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to do like boxing, Muay Thai, and MMA in the mornings just to get me out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my unemployed uh, stuff. Is you know, you, you, right. basically, I just need to get up. But um, yeah, I, I, I do the Arnis. I, I do various bits and bobs, and uh, they tend not to offend each other. Yeah, right. And so, how did how do your and because you're probably affiliated with more enlightened martial artists in general, is that do do they take it's off- the accent? Is it the accent? It is. Do they take offense to your training in something else? So, I have I have on one occasion uh, been asked not to go and train somewhere. Really? Uh, was there? Uh, did they give you a reason other than it hurt their feelings? It 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 was. Uh, it's a com. It's a it, it's a complex story that I probably won't go into. But but um, can you top line it without giving away names? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so um, a, a guy that I that I knew and had, tra- had trained with, and he was he was with one of our groups. He he went off and trained somewhere else. I hadn't spoken to him a while before I got in touch and he suggested come down because we, we train on different days so you, you get some extra training in. Yeah. Uh, and I suggested I, I might go and do that. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, the, the person invited... The, the, someone was offended by that or, or felt it probably wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and I respected that decision. Sure. Have you have you ever have you ever had that where you know you maybe wanted to go and do something and then it, 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 it my 
back in the day when you originally started well, Bruce Lee's time, I mean, remember the, the, the elders in the Chinese community were upset he was teaching the, the white man and the people not of the race, of his race, you know, the yeah. secrets of Chinese martial arts. So this has been around forever, culturally, and then, of course, really more lately now, it's about money. <laughs> That's what we were talking about before. Like, if Tom goes and trains over at Bob's gym and doesn't train at Jim's gym, well, he's giving Bob, you're giving Bob some of my money, you know? That's really what it boils down to. Well, that. no, it's it's actually in, there's a difference between it being fundamentally about money and money being inevitable and entwined. It is inevitable. And so, and so I think that you're making the mistake of confusing the former with the latter. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think just because you say of- no doesn't make it so, Jim. Oh. I'm sorry, and the, I'm sorry, the monk, the gorilla doesn't move. It doesn't move. It doesn't right. move. Okay, keep going, keep going. Share what were you gonna say, Tom? I, th- I think I think the. I think loyalty is quite a quite a key thing, and if right. it, I've always thought with 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 human beings in general, your biggest strength is often your biggest weakness, and right. I, I know one of mine is loyalty. So, so like I, I am, you know, I, I'm very loyal to the people that I, right. that I work with, and this, that, and the other. Um, and if I think of say one of my old jobs at a bank, I was very loyal to my boss, and. Um, really my career kind of stagnated for a few years because oh. he w- he wasn't ambitious he just wanted to turn up and probably take the money um whereas at the age that I was at I should have been pushing to climb up the ladder and all that kind of thing sure um so I, I think I think and loyalty is something that by human nature um pe- people particularly guys I think w- find very disappointing if, if, if that loyalty isn't reciprocated and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so I, I've stayed very loyal to the groups I've been involved with, like the Wednesday night group, uh, lax JKD London, the, the rapid Arnest guys, but there is so much to be said as well for, you know, cross training in different disciplines, meeting new trainers. Um, does that make sense? No, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, um, what happens well going back when i started off in real traditional stuff and then um around 18 getting going into the boxing gyms and and then just pretty much being a free agent from there on out i was very fortunate early on to really not train under just at one gym i just would go to seminars train on my own work real hard essentially uh outside of a few different situations but i always trained at separate places that were not uh, opposing. I didn't go to two Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools. Like I might have went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school and then went to an Arnis school, right? So it was completely separate. They're not even in the same league. So that wasn't uh, counter, uh, you know, counter to each other. So that's sort of how it happened. Anyway, so when this happens, when guys go to multiple gyms, what, it happens more in the M- it happens a lot in the MMA. Well, it doesn't happen in boxing. Boxers stay with their trainer in their gym, and that's pretty much it. But you'll get guys who will go to a wrestling school. They'll go to uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. They'll go to a judo school, you know, a, a Thai boxing school. If they can't get it all under one roof, you know? Yeah, And sure. And, and I, 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 I'm usually fine with that at some level if there's something that people can't get. Um, where it becomes more of an issue is if it's the guy's in actually fighting under you. Like if you had a fighter under you and he went to me for boxing, but he also trained boxing under you, and I was you know, saying, Well what Tom showed you is no good, you gotta do it this way, therein lies that problem. So you have yeah. to right, you have to determine who is 
where you want to get that stuff from. And at the end of the day, you still need a captain. There needs to be a head of the team, the coach, the head coach, and then other assistants, head coaches. So I've told fighters who've worked at it separate places, I said, I don't care that you train there and stuff, but you have to decide who's in charge because someone has to steer this ship in that right direction and make sure what we're training each other isn't counterintuitive and actually making us yeah. go backwards. And most of the time, the fighters, that individual, don't know that. Well, he said yeah. to do this with your kick, and you're saying to do this. Well, they both could be right, right? Yeah. Um, some of the coaches and trainers are just so cemented in their way and their one style that they have no flexibility in changing what they do, and they say that. Also, some, for example... If you go to a pure boxing coach, now I teach pure boxing, I teach MMA, I know both worlds, and some, now as my boxing coaches have been with me for a couple of years now, they're understanding MMA at a pretty high level, at least the striking yeah. aspect of it. So here's an issue. I, I, I go to a pure boxing school, and I'm learning boxing. My boxing may get unreal. It might become fantastic. The challenge is, is when I try to do the pure boxing in the MMA world, there has to be some changes. If that boxing coach is unaware of that, some of the things that you might do in a pure boxing match might get you in trouble in an MMA match. So, yeah. so, so, so that could cause a, a potential issue. But so, again... Two, uh, two, two points to make. So, so you said, you know, some of these guys, they can't get everything under one roof. Right. Well, there is a place where you can get everything. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely nice done. segue. Yes. Primal gym, New That's Jersey. True. That's right. Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. Are there actually out of interest, are there any disciplines that you think maybe you should have on the menu that you don't have? I would, I'd say no. 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 Good, good, Just good. Just a minute. I have a quick question before, before we, we get off of the topic of um, – just basically tr- training across gyms and everything like that, which I think is particularly difficult with um, with a with a commitment to JKD or then deployment of MMA. Um, so first off, this discussion of um, politics, the micro level, and training elite athletes um, at the facility. I mean, I think that very few people get the chance to hear those kinds of conversations. I'm just saying this is um, a lonely trainee. Right. I mean, uh, just a lowly kind of... Uh, the lowly. Lowly. Um, yeah, I know. My, my, my sinuses aren't all the way back. So anyway, but the, the, reason, the reason that I'm breaking in is because you're really talking about technique. You're talking also about, you know, really rules and question, you know, regulations. And you're, you're talking about concerns from lots of different angles. Right. And they're not all about money. In fact... No, this is not. It's not going back to the old point. About- <laughs> no, it's well. So I, I, I wanted to make sorry. I wanted to make one, one, one very. Yeah, brief well, no. Point, I just but- have to. I just have to say. Oh, oh. You mean it's not all about money? You mean we're talking about something else now? No, because we still want their money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just better. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. So, so there go was, ahead. Um, so we're doing our sparring week. Like last, the last weekend of the month is sparring. Yeah, um, and uh, Asif, who's a guy you've met, he's a lovely guy. He's a doctor over here. Um, and and he was sparring, and he was always blocking first. And I said, no, you know, you got you got to intercept. I, but by the time he blocked, that opportunity to hit the guy wasn't there. Right. So he had to be more aggressive and hit. So, um, I, I he then fought a very good round against a guy called Tommy, and it was it was um I, I thought it, I thought it was good and aggressive, which which was something he was struggling in his first round. Lack then comes over and goes, you know, you guys are kind of cat fighting because it's you're both engaging so much um so that there wasn't really any any breaks now this is this comes back to that point where you know when you've got the two different coaches what i was saying to 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 aid asif's improvement 
was then contradicted by Lack, and I'm right. sure what Lack would have said would, would have contradicted him. In relation to Alana's point, I actually think the coaching of top-class athletes, and you might disagree with this, Jim, isn't isn't that different in some ways to, to coaching someone like Asif because you want to you want to get say one point over so yeah. i always try to make one singular point that they can apply in that next round because when you're in 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 the fight and there's loads going on if you give anyone much more than that it's going to go in one ear and out the other right i agree you only can give a little bit right at a time right and for example same thing i've got other boxing coaches and stuff and jim and i'll hear one say one thing another one will say another i might have a different take on it and that's when you have to stop the sparring or whatever you're doing. Okay, let's work, let's work through scenario number one. I want you to parry this and do this. And then coach, the other coach, KC, wants him to do this. Then we work that one. And then we work the third option. And then my advice to them is I need you to experiment with all these in a live format, right, and see what you like best. What are you most successful with? What feels the best to you? Don't worry about that. I said it or Alana said it or Tom said it. What works, so you have to work through those scenarios. Because, all, by the way, all three of those ways we would maybe want our fighter to fight might work for that fighter. And if we mm-hmm. limit them, if we limit them to just that one thing, no, no, only do it this way, that's where I think it will fall apart because then they can't do that self-exploration. I think that's where everybody falls apart is it's my way and I, that's it. When, since I do a lot of boxing, I bring a lot of the JKD and other martial arts into the system, switching leads, doing other stuff, different odd angle punches, right? Yeah. Right. I have a lot of switch leads all the time, fight equally out of both leads. Now, not every fighter can do that, but those are my fighters that can do that. Wow, I see a lot of cool stuff happening. And I've had my other coaches say, ah, no, we don't. We never do that because of this. I said, just stand back and let, let them work it. I've had Scrap do um uh, 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 a position, it's hard to describe in there, but essentially you're, you're in close, sort of in the clinch range, but in boxing, so it's not MMA or, or grappling. And you, right, you switch back and you come up with this uppercut. You're hitting on an on angle. I got to tell you, we had a guy come in the gym uh, the night after I worked out with him and he dropped the guy without a problem. <laughs> All on this exact technique, which if I didn't allow, allow him to explore that, if I didn't tell the other coaches, let's see if this works for this, that would have never happened. And he turns out that he loves it. You know, mm. so that's where I think you should take everyone's say, OK, let's take this in. Let's work it. Tom wants me to work it this way. Bob wants me to work it this way. Alana wants me to work it this way and then see what kind of flows. I'm very much in that aspect of teaching and allowing the people to explore it for themselves, not give them the entire truth or that entire answer, because that therein lies that lies a problem. Then we cement their ways. We're always going to do it this way. But anyway, yeah. well, no, it's, I, I think that that's that's probably what made. I mean, when I first started training with you, I never wanted I, like you know those people who go for personal trainers. No, I wanted to learn the art. Right. You know, and so I was like, no, it's not a trainer. It's not a coach. He's he's actually a teacher and an artist. But you can't say that. So you know, whatever the coach. Right. So some of the most effective um, teaching moments that I have experienced as a student. Um, under Jim have been those moments where, say, we're, I don't know, we're, we're doing something, and it's like, well, okay, so now we're at this range. What kind of kick are you going to do off of that? Well, you know, I was thinking this, and then a quarter turn with that. Well, let's see if that works. How many, like, what other things would work there? What feels right? You know, what, what, what would you do there? And there's, that, there's a really great moment where you, A, recognize what feels right and what doesn't, 
B, you recognize that there are possibilities you didn't even know about that, that he didn't tell you about, but there's just this kind of like invisible, um, this kind of invisible leap that you make and you can't make it without somebody pushing you, but you can't know they're pushing you at the same time. Right. And that's, that's really what you do a fantastic job. One of the things you do a fantastic job of is pushing people without them knowing it. And like, you know, suddenly I'm like, wow, you know, like I, you know, there, there are certain things that I would never, 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 never really deploy, but it's like, okay, you know, right. you know, there, there's, yeah. yeah, there are just some, there are just some really interesting, um, uh, right. you discovered because yeah, they allowed yeah, you to do it. Yeah. yeah. But, and even more than that, that you, you didn't, you didn't say no. Right. What was that, Tom? A quick question on politics again, going back to, yeah, the, to, to this yeah. little theme. So, so why do you think so many people in martial arts fall out with each other? Ego. That's something I've seen a lot of. Ego. Okay, so, all right, so that leads me on to a, another thing, which I think is a very interesting debate. So, the term ego, so Pat O'Malley, right, talks about ego as in it, it's something to be harnessed. It's, it's incredibly important. So, yeah. um, if you look at like, the dictionary definition of ego, it's, it's a, a, a person's self of... Uh, sorry, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Yeah. And that doesn't sound like a bad thing at all to me. Now, mm. in the JKD world, we all, we're always kind of talking about, and Lack would very much talk about mastering your ego. Right. Um, so, you know, and I, I don't know if that means diminishing it in any, in any sort of way, but it, it seems that the term ego seems to have a lot of negative connotations, yet, it actually what a lot of martial arts is is building that self-confidence and self-esteem i have to intercept here um just uh well first of all ego um historically in latin it just means it's the personal pronoun i all it means is i i right ego uh, is i yes so so the thing is that i would i don't really know the the dynamics of history but I would speculate that probably like freud 19th century you start getting it kind of negative because he, you know, kind of basically breaks it down. You got your ego, you got your super ego, and you've got your id, right? And so suddenly the ego becomes something that, that you know, you've got some id struggles, you know, which are just like basic, like you know, sex and violence kinds of, you know, the, the worst, the worst of humanity and super ego is you know the angelic version, right. and the ego is somewhere in between trying to fight them both. Right. And so then, and then you have the idea where it gets associated with self indulgence, which is what you're talking about. And I think so. What I think you're struggling with essentially is basically the weight of kind of like a history of acquired terms and the difference between a sense of self and the sense of self defining everything. I think it's just, it's, it's where, where you are able to basically understand that, that the ego exists and yet at the same time it's not necessarily something to be idolized or, yeah, it's not the authority. I think there's something different between, and, and so I think that what's confusing is that people often associate ego as the authority or somebody having a sense of authority via, oh, you know, this, this, this egotistical person. Um, and so I think there are two, there, there's the mainstream that you're railing against. And then there's the, the a bit more, you know, the more philosophical sense of introspection. Well, you have, that, that, you you have to have a healthy ego and more often than that, it, be, it goes well beyond that. And I believe it is the ego why, why guys... Um, Guys end up leaving. Uh, look, as we talk, you know, there are yeah. other issues, but it is always ego. You, did, you yeah. did, and Tom talked about loyalty. You disrespect me, and all those things are are, are are very true. But more often than not, it is ego. Well, our system is the best. Our stuff is the best. Not being open. When Lack was on the show, 
try when I try to train, I try to, you know, my philosophy is and wherever the hell I picked this up was to be open to everything and attached to nothing. Doesn't mean I can't be a loyal to a system or a style or a coach and stuff, but I need to be open because there might be some magic gem out there that if I'm just too one uh got such a narrow tunnel vision view of that I might miss. So I'm open and I try to remove my ego of what I think I know and just allow it to happen. Okay, let's see what you got. Let's just do it. Let's work through it. And then I can prove them wrong. Well, I think, I think <laughs> but, on the one side you got ego as just a sense of self in the purity of that term, right? And ego is just purely a, a stable sense of self. Ne- negative, positive, no, just a sense of self. And I think that, that what the, the confusion also is is that we have to also use it. It's the only term we've got. To also kind of talk about who, who you know people who are e- egotistical, narcissistic, right, whatever. Yeah, right. They're basically there's a baseline root insecurity of self, and an, inst- an instability in what constitutes your ego. Right? They're just assholes. No, <laughs> that's what it flips down to. Oh, you know what? You know, right. I was gonna bring this back to you in a wonderful okay, way, but right. I'm not going to. But do you see what? Do, do, what, we got do either no? I mean, do you see what I'm saying though? Like, sure. like there's there's the, the problem is that we have the same term to unfortunately refer to two very different right, things. Right, absolutely. And the yeah. thing is that between these schools, what muddies the issue is that, the, especially with JKD, you've got you you do have that question of ego. It's hard to understand. It's I mean, just in general, everyone's got it. Yeah, no, but it's no, but I mean, the sense like the sense of it from a more like you know kind of abstract perspective it's hard to understand right. yet it's it's at the center of things and yet at the same time it's also something that we kind of resist because who isn't a little insecure of self except for jim of course that's right who's almost in and magnificent almost in, that's yeah. great yeah so, <laughs> so so basically so what i'm saying though is that that what you're talking about is is about kind of where those two definitions of ego not only are in conflict but that conflict becomes overt and Really, really impossible to dismiss. Yeah. So I think it's important what you're talking about. Thank you. I'm actually trying and then, to Okay, say. so and, and, and also, Tom, we'll come at politics. Right. One of the things I wanted to touch on was the lineage, and that's also another thing mm-hmm. that causes, like, you're under Tim Tackett or you're under Christopher Kent or you're trained under Richard Bastilio or you train under Ted Wong and our system and our stuff. That's who Bruce really gave the magic to. And, that is, and lineage, by the way, how, how is, is very important, I believe, at some level. But it's not everything. Like that, you trained under the man who trained under the man is pretty significant. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, um, Lack introduced me to a wor- word that uh, I know Lana's one for words, but uh, fealty, which I'd never heard of before. Like a feudal which system. Which is the ob- obligation or engagement to be faithful to a lord. Right. Which Ooh. Is, is basically where you're sort of behest to someone who's higher up the chain. Right. And <laughs> you. Sorry. I'll go on a line. I'm sorry, but this is the thing. It, this is actually the um, the economical system uh, in the Middle Ages before capitalism was feudalism, where you have fealty to the Lord, yes, and they, they, they are the ones that have the castle. They are the ones that have all of the land. And then you have fiefs, you have serfs, you have peasants, so, and then it goes down yeah. the chain like what that. Did Locke, what did he say so, about you being... Okay, so, 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 so Locke used to... Yeah, so, so Locke went back beyond capitalism. Right. Please continue. Yeah, unsurprisingly, it doesn't relate to the Middle Ages. It's about martial arts. Well, no, (laughs) but um, it's it's all related. I think, think, you know, (laughs) what a lot of people will do is they position themselves. And you were talking about there being a million instructors out there for for JKD, for example, a million seafoods. But, you know, they're positioning themselves. They want to be at the top of that tree. Right. 
and they'll bring you up underneath them, but they, it, they need to keep themselves at the top of that tree. And what, what these people may also do is hold you down and hold your development down. Right. But then there is also a need to sort of aspire to these people. Um, you know, if I, if, if I think of someone like Pat, Pat O'Malley, you know, it, it's like you need to go and learn off a warrior like that. Um, but then you don't want it to be a, a, a process where it's kind of I I exist only to keep him above me in, in a sort of chain or pyramid sure. of command. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a weird, you know, with, with martial arts, you are there by choice. It's not like the military um, where, you know, it, it, you're a conscript or something like that or, or, or the, the, the job of leadership's been thrust upon someone a, a, a somewhat unnaturally. Um, you, you know, these, these people are, I guess, um, they're warming to that position of power and they just want to, they want to keep them, them there. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit lost, but, um, does that make any sense? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. No, that's okay. Look, we're used to you, uh, not making sense though. No, I thought that was my role. On the the lineage thing, (laughs) I think what's kind of. Let, let's get, let, let me give an example. So yeah. everyone wants to host Tim Tackett. Right. Uh, and, and that's because Tim Tackett is, has got the closest lineage to Bruce Lee. Absolutely. And that's worth something. At, at 1,000% it is. Right. You know, all the teachings that Tim knows, in theory, have been passed on to the likes of Jeremy Lynch, who, who's, you know, younger guy, very talented martial artist. Yeah. You know. But people aren't queuing up to host him right. in the, quite the same way as they would be with um, Tim Tackett. Correct. And that's not to offend Jeremy or Tim if they're listening. No. But it's, it, it's a, it, I guess it, I guess in JKD lineage is super important. And I've seen people posting these sort of family tree organization charts right. of where they sit in the chain versus Bruce Lee, which is very weird. Right. It is weird. But in that world, it's, yeah, it's very important. It's not, it's less important than other, worlds when it um <clears throat> when it comes to like boxing or something people don't really for the most part care um but in jkd and other martial arts systems it is you find in the bjj world uh guys who are getting becoming affiliated and they have these huge affiliations there's this school that's involved with this school they're under this particular guy or this particular guy and that holds weight in, in that world outside of that world no one gives a shit and some of these guys yeah. like, don't believe that. I, I go, well, let's go to the supermarket and ask everyone in, in the supermarket. I will pay you $100 if anyone knows what the fuck you're talking about, about you're li- li- under this guy or that guy. But um, but it, it is important so that you're getting the real source. But it no, by no means does it mean that you can't develop or grow without that lineage. And you could be a fantastic you know, instructor on many things uh, and might not have the purest of lineages, you know. I mean, a little Bruce Lee quote for you. He he says, I personally do not believe in style because of styles, people are separated. They are not united together because styles become law. And uh, so I think, you know, he he himself wouldn't have wanted you to be wed to the lineage, to to be sort of worshipping at his, um, you know, whatever the word is. I've got one other one, which is going going on to a slightly slightly different thing, but um, the topic of like who owns material. So, oh. if for example, you know, you've taught me something like that zombie drill, 
Right. Um, you know, that, that is your material. Not If I was teaching it personally, I would always reference, I learned this from Jim McCann or I got this from Jim McCann's system right. or something like that. But <clears throat> Lack has kind of made the point, for example, it's like, no, once it's been given to you, once it's been taught to you effectively and you can do it, you kind of own that. Right. So that you don't, in theory, need to advertise where it came from. Yeah, I think that's done because I try to do that to the best of my ability. Uh, at some point, it does become yours, right? Um, essentially, but like if you taught me something, say, hey, I learned this from Tom McGrath and it's a great drill. And th- that's all. I think that's done out of a, sort of a, a, some sort of loyalty and respect like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, Lack, Lack taught me this drill. It's a great drill. That's it. It doesn't mean that I may not have done some version of that drill or that somebody else somewhere else is doing that drill. It just means that's where I kind of got it from. Or more often than not, I have no idea where I picked up things because I've been, uh, you know, I just go, I learned this somewhere sometime and I don't know where I got it from or if I made it up or someone showed me, I have no clue. And for me, I don't even care. So I'm I'm free of that. (laughs) But I do, like if Tim Tackett taught me this and, and, um, and, and and I think it's fantastic or, or whatever it is. And he taught me this. And as a result of me learning this, I've added this. And this is why we do this now in, in addition to that. So, so I think that is important. So, but, going, you know, in that politics, there's so many different things. And I think po- politically, these martial arts are supposed to be enlightened, often ruin it by, you know, a whole bunch of these things. So you weren't loyal enough. You weren't uh, paying enough. You, you, know, you don't have the right lineage, yeah. right? You're, you're going to Buddy's Gym and all that because, boy, it's still pervasive, just as pervasive as it was, although supposedly we're enlightened and it doesn't matter. Actually, I yeah. think it's worse in martial arts it's ironic, <clears throat> than it is in boxing. Very rarely do I see martial arts school go to another martial arts school to train with them to learn what they're learning. I Almost never does that exist. MMA world, it doesn't work. It will work in families like a BJJ school that's affiliated with another BJJ school. In boxing, <clears throat> it happens all the time. We had a bunch of boxers come from another gym last night to spar, right? And um, and you know, you're trading ideas. You're just helping each other out and working with each other. There's literally, I got to tell you, I think there would be. There, I've not experienced that ego in the amateur bar- boxing world. I see coaches. I've competed against many of these coaches multiple times over the last ten years. I see him. Hey, you know, hey Bob, how you doing? Hey coach, hey coach, fighter looks good. Good, good fight tonight. You guys got it. We'll get you next time. It's all friendly. There is no, at least that I have experienced, no real animosity. And uh, nah. I've even, I had one of my fighters fight one fighter. Actually, it's happened multiple times, so I'll give you one example. My fighter lost to the fighter in a close decision. We sparred him that week. We said, hey, can you guys come down for sparring this week? Because they worked real well together. As a result of teaming up with my opponent, my fighter was able to elevate their game, you know, to kind of work that out together, which I don't find often, you know, in the martial arts. And which will bring us, like, we got to cut it off here soon because we're kind of running over. But I wanted to get Tom. I, I just you, you sent me a link on um, fake martial yes. arts, uh, which was uh, fake. It says five fake martial arts exposed by M- MMA fighters, right. which, which I watched, and I think that was going to lead me on to a point about you know not bad mouthing other martial arts, which right. is something I try very hard not to do. Not today, sure. And I think you've been successful, you know, given you you tra- train a, a spectrum of martial arts. Right. Um, this is one of the reasons why I guess you're not too affected by the politics right um because you're you're doing a bit of everything and and you don't you don't uh, belittle the ones that maybe you do less of or don't don't work quite so well 
Um, but th- this this link was, you know, that they, they called out. You wouldn't want to be on this list, really. But Aikido, Wing Chun, right. um, Sumo, Kung Fu and Tai Chi. And right. then they sort of had videos of, of um, MMA fighters taking on these so guys. So read that, read that list to me. So they said this was the, the top five Aikido. fake martial arts. I didn't. You, you did send it to me. I know. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, I, read, I read the thing. I, 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 it was Aikido was first. Aikido and then Wing Chun. Actually, was number five. It was like almost done like a countdown. Right. So, Aikido. Aikido was, first, was number five. Wing Chun. Wing Chun was number four. Sumo. Sumo was number three. Yeah, Kung Fu. Kung, like traditional Kung Fu. And then, and then tai, tai Chi was number yeah. one. That's funny. All yeah. Chinese martial arts. Yeah, that's I was fun. testing my memory. That against, was good. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think. And I think. Right. It's. A, we'll just go a little bit long. When I put. The reason I sent that to you is because there is been a push by these MMA guys. They're twenty year old guys who, well, we'll just fight you and prove you that your system sucks or is no good. And what happened in that video is this Chinese MMA fighter beat the the snot out of a Tai Chi fighter mm-hmm. or Tai Chi practitioner. Beat him pretty badly. And it was, since Tai Chi, I believe, is, is that the national martial arts of China, Tom? Do you know? Something like uh, that. It's they up, do it a lot in China and Taiwan. It's, there's a load, whole load of other ones. Right. And and, um, and they took it as an insult, and this guy's life was threatened, and so on and so forth. But he's taking it upon himself to prove the world that he's – I think that is a – that is, by the way, ego. We think you're salv- um, saving the world, but no one cares. And you're beating up an old man and doing Tai Chi – now, there are more realistic martial arts than others. There's an element, in my opinion, of truth and, and brilliance in almost everything I've ever seen. There's also um, a bit of complete um, nonsense in all of them because they're all working yeah. in their one particular world. You have to be able to dance in 360 degrees all over if you're saying Tai Chi doesn't work because this. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of things that Tai Chi does work very well in. Is it the most combative? I don't know that. I'm not sure that I need a guy to randomly beat the shit out of some other guy to prove he's a hard ass. Yeah, yeah. that means nothing to me. It means that guy's an asshole. Well, it means also there's the opposition between fealty and that ideal, right? Right. And what we're talking about with feudalism, by the way, bringing that background, is territory. Literally, it was about territory, and also partially it was about discouraging trade. Wow. Yeah. Um, because you were you were um, basically you were you were um, bound oath bound to a liege. In that lineage, and you kept right. everything. So you you're bring, it. bringing back in capitalism again. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, yes. Well, so, so I was going to say, fine. Um, yes. Um, uh, we, we talked in our, another show about sort of how all martial arts sort of develop in relation to their environments, and then right. you probably have one fighter from, you know, a karate fighter fighting another karate fighter, or wherever it might be. Um, and, and then you've got that, that, that breakdown between, I guess, the two work, the, the martial arts. So you've got martial, which is kind of saying it's warlike. And the more you water that down and stick it into too much of a specific environment, like a, a, a ring or whatever it might be, um, you take away that sort of combative element. But then you've got the art side. Now, the, 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 with the martial side, you know, you, you could learn quite a lot of good martial stuff. From a three-hour course with Mike Austin, at, um, right? Uh, you know how to stick your fingers in someone's eyes, kick them in the balls, spray pepper spray on them. But the art side is is another really important side, which is mm-hmm. kind of saying, look, you know, if you're going to get a black belt, we need to you need to demonstrate some real awesome skill that could, couldn't just be done by your average Joe on the right. street. 
Yeah, and it's that practicality versus real, you know, art and right. philosophy that I think JKD is kind of like at the fault line of in a good way, like you right. know, in, in a, in, you know, in, a, in an also very um, intense way. But also, I think that what you're talking about here is um, the question of that sense of legitimacy that we started with about MMA and pulling in figures and pulling in fans, and then well, I was talking about boxing and ranking and, and how, how you kind of balance loyalty as an ideal or ego as an ideal versus, you know, just the money to sustain it, let alone, you know, right. you know be billionaires. So I think you have a lot of things in play, and you're doing a really nice job of connecting. Them. Thank That's you very all. much. <laughs> so with, with, the, with the, you know, with the, the fake stuff, I, you know, look, and I, I try not to be concerned. For me personally, I, I really don't care. I, I, I – <laughs> Uh, what's a fake martial arts? As we talked about before, Tom, you know I've I've been very fortunate to train at, at, from Taekwondo schools to Krav Maga schools to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, whatever I've been you know, and do a bunch of things. And I just say this is my idea on this. This is what we want to explore. The idea behind that kind of training, if they're open enough, is that they take it and only improve their system or their style or their thought process. I'm not trying to change it. If you're happy doing a kick or a punch this way, I'm good with it. Good, go do it. I don't care. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But here's an idea. And this is why I think this idea might work. And this might improve it. They either buy into that or they don't. Uh, I, I, and if you don't like what I'm teaching, you know, don't go to the seminar. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, so that that's how, you know, <clears throat> pardon me. That's how, that's how I, I, I approach that. I'm not worried about who's what. And all you can do is hopefully try to enlighten somebody and, and do that. So I just thought that that fake martial art thing yeah. was, was kind if, of... If we, were, if we were to summarize, it's just <laughs> like the rest of life, right? If someone's different from you, still show them respect. Right. Still, still take an interest in what they're interested in. And, uh, you know, don't go running around behind their backs, you know, slagging it off. Or... Right, which, which happens. Right. And people have a damn hard time doing that. No, totally impossible. Anyway, <laughs> so exactly. Wow, we have covered every topic under the sun almost. We've gone a few minutes over, but that's okay. Remember, next week we have the king of primal Europe, Dieter Casey, will be here. And the week after we will have uh, Hawk Hawkheim. Uh, there was a couple topics we didn't get to touch on, which I will be touch on uh, hopefully next week. We have, have we have time. What I want to do with training and some other things next year. I have some pretty uh, interesting uh, goals on my own. But uh, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, find me at primalgymnj.com, and you can find me on Facebook under Primal Gym, on Instagram. Uh, the uh, just head over to Three Nanny Lane anytime between 4 a.m. and, and like 11 p.m. 11 p.m. will be there. <laughs> Tom, you want to promote your buddies? Um, I was just going to promote. So, so on the Hawk Show, we're going to be talking about his uh, relatively new book, Fighting right. Words, right? Which is did you um, get it? about psychology and, and physicality of fighting. Tom, did you get the book? Um, I've got it. It arrived See, in under yeah. 24 hours. How is that possible? Because right? he was supposed to send me the book. So I could read it prior to so I got to, now I'm under pressure. I got to read a whole nother book in yeah. two weeks. Amazon Prime. That's Amazon Prime. Does it have a lot of pictures? Uh, it sure does. So you'll be okay. <laughs> that makes it easy for you to read. I'm ordering it? on my phone right now. Oh uh, no, you're not. Well, yeah. actually, I can't because my phone is under me. But but yeah. I am as soon as this is over. That's fighting. So we'll be talking about his new book, Fighting Words. Did you open it up yet? Uh. I'll be honest, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. But um, it, it, I, I haven't have, I haven't. I just simply haven't had the chance. But well, I will be reading it. I will have right. completed it by the time we have the show. Well, let's hope it's a good book, so we don't have an embarrassing yeah. conversation. <laughs> and then, um, if you're interested in JKD in London, jkdlondon.com. 
or uh, rapidarness.com for uh, Rapid Arnest, which is all over the world. Yes, it is. Hey, all okay, right. I'm buying it on Prime right now. <laughs> You're getting it right. She's buying it on Prime right now. Guys, another great show. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.